Thanks, Joel and Megan. Thank you for, uh, Joel, thanks, Joel, for leading us in prayer. And um, I just want to encourage you um, and, and just uh, also add my uh, thanks to the care team for all the work they do and um, encourage you to get behind them. Um, there is a lot of ways to, uh, for the care team to be reaching out at the moment, opportunities, and we really want to support them. So thank you for sharing, guys, this morning, and, and thank you for all the great work that you do. Um, happy Mother's Day um, uh, for mothers, for influential women. Um, we have many in our lives, if you think about it. And you know, as Johan shared at the start of the the, the worship time this morning, when he talked about his his mother, his grandmother, and and even his wife. And and you may have all of those, and you may know other influential people. We do, and this is a day that we remember them. You know, and I know that. Um, it's also a day that perhaps the memories aren't always super positive, that it's full of emotion. You know, some of us have had a really good mother. Some of you have, and some are not so good mother. Some of us have had a mother that has largely been absent. Uh, perhaps some of us can't be mothers and would really love to be, and, or we miss our mothers now gone. And it goes on. And yet, and yet... We recognise that by God's grace, we can honour what he's given us in motherhood in our lives. And can I encourage you to do that with me today as well? You know, there's three things I want to talk about today. And they are steadfast love, unending mercy, and my portion. Three concepts that we're going to see, three things that we're going to see in our reading today. And I, I want to ask you to keep them in mind Keep those things in mind. Steadfast love, unending mercy, and my portion. These are three things that I often think of when I think of my mother. There are probably more, but these are a few standout things that I think of. You know, steadfast love, um, I think of dependable. My mother uh, was someone who had steadfast love. I knew that she loved me. And let me tell you, I wasn't always lovable. I know that's hard for you to believe right now. But it's true, I wasn't always lovable. My behaviour wasn't always, uh, didn't always make me lovable. And I said some pretty unloving things, if I can remember some things when I was growing up. Yet I knew deep down that I couldn't make her stop loving me. No matter what I did or what I said, I knew that she loved me. And it was dependable. I knew that she had a steadfast love. The, the other thing, that, that, that she always had mercy for me. And after a rough patch, and we might have had a, a bit of a head-to-head, -head, or I might have really disappointed her, the door was always open. I could run, but when I came back, there she would be. And I knew that she would always be there. I knew that she would have mercy for me. I knew that she would hear me. And she was my portion. She provided everything I needed. Food, care, clothes. She cleaned and tidied up after me. Uh, she paid for the, my school costs um, and, and everything that I needed. I had enough. Like most teenagers and most people growing up, I always wanted more. I always wanted better. I always wanted greater. And I know that none of you were like that, but I was. But you know what? I had enough. I lacked nothing. My world outside could be in crisis and things not going right. And, and if I think back through my teenage years and even my late primary years, and particularly the last primary years, there was a lot going on for me with bullying at school. But mum was always there and I knew it. 
And so those are three things I think of when I hear and see and think about mothers because that's what my mother was for me. Steadfast, dependable love, never-ending, seemingly never-ending mercy. Um, not that it always looked like mercy at the time from your mother, but looking back it probably was. And enough. Everything I need. Think about it. Think about your mother. Think about the situations where you see mothers. You know, a teenage meltdown when the world is falling apart for a teenager. Who's the solid one? It's the mother who's there. Homeschooling right now. You know, I know that I hear many mothers are, are tearing their hair out. But boy, the kids are really being blessed by someone being there steadfastly, having a red-hot shot at homeschooling. A crazy busy household. Sport runs and, and different curriculum, extracurriculum activities, cooking meals, keeping a busy household. The one that's there in the moments that can befall a kid in school or socially, that in their words could only be described as a disaster. Who's the solid one? It's mum. Care and food that's always there, even when we say, like I never did, oh, I don't like this. Uh, Brussels sprouts still come to mind. The person who's there when the world is just not fair or I'm scared, that's mum. When the crisis seems the order of the day, mum is still there. Now I know that that isn't always the case, hasn't always been the case in my, uh, in my family and isn't always the case in many families. Not all of our experiences are like that. Not every season has been like that. Yet even when I look at our human definitions, I look at the dictionary definitions we attempt to express the person of a mother in those ways, don't we? Here are the definitions that I found. Mother, noun, one who gives birth to or one who raises and brings up a child. That's the noun. The verb, mother, verb, to care for, to nurture, to provide for and influence a child or a person. And you see those things in there. Even in our, in our worldly definitions, we, we recognize those things, don't we? And I believe that that's God's intent in giving us mothers and mother figures. It's to share something of himself with us through all of them. A chance to reflect on mums today and the nature of motherhood teaches us to look at the one who gave us mothers you know, we look at mothers, but, but God wants us to look through them and see him and see his character. He intended them. He designed them perhaps to reflect himself a little and to display something of his nature and character. And although our human mothers may not always perfectly reflect those traits, with God it is the case. He does always perfectly reflect those things. No matter where we find ourselves, or how we find ourselves in a crisis, in our worst crisis, in our toughest challenge, our disappointments, and even our high points. He remains dependable. He's loving. He's merciful. And he is our portion. You know, we gave our mothers a small uh, gift and a card. And I, I stole Sue's, so to show you... Um, we gave all of our mothers in the church one of these gifts and, and a card. Uh, we, we sent out 44 of them and they were lovingly hand-delivered by our young adults. So great job, young adults. Amazing. And I know that lots of uh, 
people will be blessed by that. But on that card was a version of a scripture in Lamentations. Now, when you're thinking of a card to encourage someone and you think, what sort of scripture should I put in there? Tell me if the first book that comes to mind is Lamentations. We did. I know, who would have thought? But it's beautiful and it's appropriate and very, very encouraging. And I want to read a few verses with you today. We're going to read a few verses out of Lamentations chapter 3. So have a look with me. Lamentations 3, if you've got Bibles or phones, or it will be on the screen. But I encourage you to have your Bibles and phones open as well so you can glance at it every now and then. Lamentations 3, we're going to read from verses 21 through to 26. And then we'll talk a little about that. So from verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It's good that one should wait quietly. For the salvation of the Lord. Wow, you don't kind of expect that in Lament when you think of Lamentations, do you? You see, Lamentations was written in probably one of the worst and most miserable times for Jerusalem. Some say that Jeremiah wrote it, it comes right after Jeremiah in the Bible, <clears throat> but it's not we're not sure that he wrote it, but we know that it was written in 586 BC, a long time before Jesus. And due to the consistent unfaithfulness of God's people, their failure to acknowledge him, their, their great sin and their rejection of God, rejection of his ways, God finally allows Babylon to overthrow Jerusalem. The temple is destroyed. All the elite are deported out to Rome. All the brains, is like a brain drain. The remaining people are oppressed, they're, they're enslaved, they're, they're beaten, they're forced to, to live in substandard conditions. They're even killed. It definitely wasn't a great moment. It was a real crisis. And Lamentations is this vivid description of some of the sufferings in a kind of a poetry form. It can be really depressing reading and you're left in no doubt that this is a crisis. This is not good. Let's look at a few descriptions to give you, give you an idea. of this is, this is some of the stuff that the, the writer talks about. This is how he describes some of the suffering and the crisis. Just a couple of lines. In verse, um, verse 15, he has filled me with bitterness. In verse 16, he's made my teeth grind on gravel. When I read that, can you, can you feel it? In verse 17, I have forgotten what happiness is. Are you getting the picture that things are not good there? That's what's happening in Lamentations. Yet, right in the middle of all this wailing and complaining, all this frustration, a light shines for a moment with the words of our text. And he says, wait, I call this to mind. I remember what I know. And this, despite all that I'm seeing and experiencing, gives me hope. Call this to mind. I remember what I know is the truth. And that gives me hope. God is steadfast in his love. It's rock solid. This hasn't changed him, even though it's affecting me and it's affecting us. 
God's mercies don't and won't end. In fact, each day I get up, they're fresh and new for that day. Even though yesterday wasn't great, there's new mercies for that day because God is faithful. He's never not there with his mercy. And God is my portion. Portion was an old word that they used for that was enough. That was what I need for the day, what I need for the moment. I've received my portion, what I'm due, what I need. And that was an old word for that. So God is my portion. God is all and what I need. And then he says, therefore. Now it would be remiss. In verse 24, he says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore. Now it would be remiss of me, and I wouldn't be angry if I didn't say, when you see therefore, the question is, what is it there for? And the writer's really intent that therefore is supposed to be there. All these things are true. Therefore, I have hope. I will hope in him. You know, uh, there's that saying, people uh, can go through enormous things, but they will die without hope. So because I remember now that those things are true about God, even now I have hope. That's a relief. Not because our smarts will get us out of this or, or someone else's smarts, and not because we'll suddenly get the power to fight back against Babylon or something's going to change. No, I have hope because even in the middle of this, I remind myself that those things about God are true. This bondage hasn't changed him. It's changed us and our circumstances for a while. This crisis hasn't changed God. It's changed us and our circumstances for a bit. But he's still who he said. Even when the bottom is falling out of everything else in my life, he is who he said. Now that is good news. And then he goes on and he says, And my God is good to those who wait on him. You know, that's another old word, who wait upon the Lord. It's that, it, it means those who, who look to him, who, who begin to seek him and look to him for everything that they need, to take their eyes off themselves and wait on the Lord. The Lord is good to those who wait on him and to the ones who seek him and wait for the salvation of the Lord. That's a statement of faith. God will get us through this, he's saying. He's taken all these chapters and all this time to, and some of this vivid description of how painful and how miserable it is. And yet in the middle there, there's this statement of faith. I know who he is and he will get us through this. He will be our God and we will always be his people. That isn't going to change. He's convinced of that. Could he perhaps have remembered the words of the psalmist in Psalm 27 who also struggled with, with the crisis around him and, and, the, and the, the issues he was dealing with and the pain he was in. And the psalmist said, Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yet... Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Same sort of thing. Could, the psalm, could he have remembered what the psalmist have said? And so after that, the tone changes and, and from there he starts to urge the people to acknowledge their sin whilst reminding them and himself of who God is, what he's like and, and the wonders God has done. He reminds the people, wow, let's just check ourselves. We, we, we've messed up here. Remember how great God is. Let's test ourselves and examine our ways, he says. 
And let's have a look what it's done to us, the things that we've been involved in and the way we've gotten. Look what it's done to us. Look at where we are because of our great sin. And he ends up asking God to remember them. Remember us, God. Remember what has happened to us now. See what's happened to us and please restore us. Don't be angry with us forever, he says. In the middle of a crisis, calling to mind the character and nature of God gave him hope and the courage to call upon God. Caused him to look at what got them there, to acknowledge it, but to see beyond the circumstances and ask the Lord in line with who he is, who he just confessed God is, to rescue them, to restore them. You know, as we step back from that story, we have the benefit of seeing the story as it goes on with God's people, don't we? We have the benefit of seeing the story unfold in the Word. And we get to see a rescuing God, don't we? We get to see that He does rescue them. He is faithful and loving. He is merciful. He does restore them and He is enough for them. And as we read on through the Word, and we read on more of uh, stories about God's children, we see that just like a mother... He's going to have to do that a few more times while these people learn to grow up. He does rescue his people time and time again. This is hugely encouraging for me, and I hope it is for you as well. As I look at my own life, as I look at the world around me, I look at the crises of my own making, the sin and disobedience that enters my life and, and pushes God out as I allow sin to come in. I'm actually distancing myself from God. Those are crises of our own making. I look at the crises that are around me, a world that's suffering and, and us along with it. With all the effects right now of COVID-19, however that affects you, or whatever that looks like for you. But also a world that doesn't recognize God, doesn't honor him. And because of that, it's suffering. And we're making others suffer too because we haven't acknowledged God as humans. Right in the middle of this, just like the writer here, right in the middle of this, I too can call to mind who God is. And you can too. He's steadfast in his love for me and the world. His mercies don't end. I can't wear out my welcome. You can't wear out your welcome. And they're new every day. And he is enough. He's my portion. He's your portion. When you and I choose to ponder that, we too have hope. That would lead us to say, and therefore I have hope. I'm looking at the sin in my life. I'm looking at the, the miserable things that I see in the world. I'm looking at the things that offend me and scare me and frighten me. But I remember who God is. I know he's steadfast in love. I know he's full of mercy. I know he's enough. And therefore I will hope in him because we know he sees us and cares for us. J.I. Packer, who wrote the book Knowing God, when he was at one point he was speaking about how intently God cares for us, he said this, There is no moment when God's eye is off me or his attention is distracted from me and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. That's confidence. That's amazing. No moment, not a time. In your deepest woes, in your, in your moment when you think, where is God? He's there. There isn't a moment that he doesn't see you. How good is that? Is that encouraging for you? Do you know that? Right now, 
in whatever situation you find yourself or we find ourselves today. Do you know that? Things are not normal now um, for all of us. It, doing this like this will, will, will remind us that things are not normal now. And it can feel oppressive. It can feel a bit unnatural that you can't shake hands with people or, or hug people or, or just hang out with people or get close to people or do the things you love to do. It can feel a bit unnatural. It's easy to feel frustrated, annoyed. Uh, it's easy to feel sad, hurt even. It's easy to feel really tired at the moment. I'm struggling feeling really tired at the moment. Even angry. It's easy to be even angry. Depression can creep in and we can begin to lose sight of what's real. Can you imagine if that's true for us what it would have been like for these guys? God's people in Jerusalem must have felt that. The author must have felt that. But how good of God to bring to mind what's real. How good of God to remind him of what's real. How good that God does that for us too. Because in the reality of God's character and love, there is hope. There really is hope. And we need that. Whether you're a teenager that feels like this is not how I expected life to go. This is not how I wanted this year to go. I can't get my learners. I can't get my license. I can't go to school and see my friends. Or maybe you're an adult that feels as though that job loss or loss of opportunity is so unfair. Or you're that kid that just wants to go and see his friends or her friends at school. Or you're the pastor who longs to preach to a live audience again. Or the many other seemingly undeserved, unwanted struggles that you and I might face, including our own sin that keeps haunting us at times. We need to know that hope, that same hope. I need to know it and you need to know it right now. What does that hope look like? You know, I was thinking about that and I was thinking, it isn't an it. That hope isn't it, it's a he. We celebrated him earlier in Lord's Supper, didn't we? It's Jesus. What does that hope look like? It's Jesus for us. The epitome of steadfast love. The epitome of everlasting mercy and, and definitely our portion. God's character, and especially these things that we've been talking about today, come to us in Jesus. And through him we see hope in action. <clears throat> the author of Lamentations asks God not to forget them, to rescue them, to restore them. God didn't forget them and he did restore them. But he also doesn't forget us. He rescued us. He didn't forget us. He rescued us from bondage and slavery through Jesus. And you know, the, the crazy thing is, I don't even recognize or acknowledge that I need it at times. And yet, he comes to me with that steadfast love. That's amazing grace. His steadfast love, his mercy and his portion for us. For our salvation was Jesus, is Jesus. How great, how steadfast was his love for us who didn't and don't deserve it. Charles Spurgeon, when speaking of the steadfast, solid, rock-solid and determined love of Jesus, he was, in this, he was in this discussion about how determined and how solid and how steadfast Jesus' love was 
is and was for us. And he's, he was reflecting on the cross and he said this. Jesus Christ looked down from the cross and he saw the people that he was dying for. Some of them cringing. Some of them snarling. All of them clueless. And in the greatest act of strength, love and mercy in the history of the world, he stayed. He stayed. And that's steadfast. That's where hope, real hope, is anchored for you and me. In the fact that Jesus Christ stayed on that cross. He was that steadfast. Praise God for Jesus. His love for you and I is steadfast. His mercies are unending and new every day. And he is enough. Do you know him? Do you know that steadfast love? Or do you want to know it? Do you need to know it? <clears throat> perhaps you never have or perhaps you did once but you've lost that feeling. You've lost that sense of who he is. Hear it today. Do you know that his mercy is there for you every day? Do you want to know that? Do you need to know that? Is the most merciless person in your life sometimes even yourself? Do you need a reminder of his mercy? Has it been a long time since you've allowed yourself to trust his mercy for you? Let me encourage you today and remind you that he is mercy, has unending mercy. And do you know that he's your portion? That he's enough? That he's not just what you need, he's who you need and he's all you need. Do you know that? And then wait. Just like the writer of Lamentations, hope in him, depend on him. Wait. Because the Lord is good to those who wait for him. He's good to the soul who seeks him, our reading said today. Wait quietly for the salvation, the rescue, the relief of the Lord, the kind that only he can bring. And when you begin to understand that, and the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. When you begin to understand that, you begin to see hope. You see a crack. You see the way out of your crisis. You see the one who will lead you out of that crisis. You begin to feel hope. You begin to think, maybe, maybe there is someone. And that's Jesus. And you begin to believe in hope. And you begin to say with David the psalmist, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want to say that, and, and I don't say that every day, and I, but I want to be able to say that. I believe that I'll look upon the goodness of the Lord, and that will transform your life. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. Maybe you've read Lamentations a number of times. You've read this, this Bible through a number of times. But if you're anything like me, Sometimes the words can begin to lose their effect. And we need the Holy Spirit to remind us in a day like today that our God is steadfast in his love, that his mercies are new and unending, and that he's enough. I don't need to add to it. He's enough. He did all he needed to do, and he does all he needs to do in my life and your life as well. Therefore, I will hope in you, in him. Can I encourage you to do that with me today? And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know this God, 
then I, can I encourage you to, to let us know. Tell us how we can pray for you. Send us a message so that we can talk to you, so that we can help you know. And we can share with you the joy of, of knowing that hope that only he can bring. And it really is worth knowing. You know, as you look at your mums today, or as you remember your mums, if you can't be with them, see the women that God has given us to celebrate today and thank God for them. And allow yourself to see just a little bit of the reflection of the character and nature and the love of our God today. This is our God. He was a servant king, but a loving king, a merciful king, and he's enough. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we um, grateful for your word. We're grateful that even in the moments where we don't expect to find that, that bright shining light of your glory of who you are, right in the middle of lamentations, out you come in all your glory, in all that encouragement, full of hope and full of life and full of promise. And we thank you that you're so faithful. And you never leave us hanging, that you never say, I am not with you, that you never leave us and, and, and decide not to be with us, that we can depend on that. We're really grateful for that. Lord, we're grateful and thankful, Jesus, for your work on the cross. We thank you that that is our hope, that we pin our hopes on you, that you've won for us that restoration with the Father, that exciting uh, expectation of, of new life, of eternal life with you. And we love you for it. Lord Jesus, if we've been walking with you for many years, would you just remind us of that today? As we head into this next week, would you just fill us with a sense that you are, a, that your love is rock solid, that you are a God of mercy and that we can know that you're enough and that if we will wait on you, if we will seek you and fix our eyes on you, we will see that. And Jesus, I pray for those of us that don't know you. We just want to invite you by your spirit to come with encouragement, love and peace in a heart that's full of turmoil or questions. And Lord, we pray for that peace to be able to guide each one of us into a better and fuller and fresh knowledge of who you are. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Um, you know, we hope that it's been encouraging. We hope you have a wonderful day of celebrating mothers, however that looks. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Uh, we'll have a guest speaker coming next week. Um, Bill Bosker is going to be speaking for us. And we're really excited about that. So again, we encourage you to be there early, be prepared. If there's things that you want prayer for, there's things that you would love to communicate to us, keep the chatter up during the week. We love hearing that. We love to be able to pray for you. We love to be able to encourage you. Um, and let's keep being the family of God in this coming week. Have a fantastic week.